Welcome to In the Swine Web podcast. This is an engaging series interviewing astute guests in the swine industry, touching base on a variety of topics. Today's guest is Steve, a pork producer in South Dakota and former president of the Pork Checkoff. Steve prides himself on being pro everything in agriculture and his passion for pig farming has caught my attention for a while. In today's tech-driven world, we met on Twitter of all places and I'm excited to welcome here, him here today. Steve, how are things going? Hey, good, Jim. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm here on the farm in South Dakota, as you mentioned, and I, I am serving as the past president of the National Pork Board. Um, what's kind of interesting in our lives right now, my wife and I, as we've moved to a different place, allowing our uh, daughter, but along grandson, to move into our Touching on that about the South Dakota pork industry, um, you told me a while ago that you feel like it's a growing and underrated region. What did you mean by that? Well, we're definitely growing. There's, we're kind of the undiscovered country, I think would be a better term than underrated. Uh, lots of wide open spaces, lots of grain production, and uh, yeah, there's there's been, uh, you know, we're, we're growing probably faster than any state in in. America right now as far as uh, pig density and more hogs and more producers seeing the value of manure and of uh, gaining some equity through hog production and uh, yeah it's it's a great feeling which is why even even with our uh, local pork association here in the state hiring on another guy myself you know just to, to help with uh, just the increased amount of demand that's going on here in the state and uh, yeah it's an exciting deal. And how did you get into pork production? What's your story and background? Well, I grew up on the farm, um, north of Bruce, South Dakota, and uh, it all started with a 4-H project. I was eight years old, able to start 4-H, and my father bought me a couple of sows, and uh, I've been in pork production since for 52 years now, so that'll tell you a little bit about my age. But uh, yeah, I've been in it for a very long time and uh, married into a pork family, and uh, we raised purebred genetics for many, many, many years. That history goes back a hundred years as well. So I've been I've been engaged with this thing for a long, long time, and uh, decided quite a while ago to get more involved in just production. So that's that's my history when it comes to working in the state, and and now for the last six and a half years nationally. And uh, that's been a very exciting opportunity for a little South Dakota farm boy. So I know your passion is human well-being from a livestock producer standpoint. Why do we do this? Well, I'll tell you what, as a producer, it's one thing to just get, get that animal to harvest and, and having cared for it as best we can and providing, you know, the kind of environmental protections and so on that we have anymore. And it, but, but to go farther than that and think of it as, a wonderful pork tenderloin on somebody's plate, which doesn't, you know, it not only uh, does, you know, satisfaction in, in a wonderful meal, it's providing much needed protein to millions and millions of people. So, I mean, it, 
in food production, you have to look farther than just what you're doing today and tomorrow. You have to look at uh, what's the result of all this. And I think, you know, being a provider of, of grape tasting protein and it enhances people's lives, uh, that's, that's a good feeling and it's one that keeps me going. So I hear that uh, you mentioned the Iowa pork producers are going to the South Dakota show. I also hear the Minnesota Pork Congress numbers are down. With COVID-19, do you see changes coming to industry trade shows or any consolidation? Oh, I think there's always there's always change. Uh, I've seen a lot of it, if you might imagine. Uh, we, we've always had a lot of Iowa producers come across the border here because uh, a lot of them market animals in Sioux Falls to, to uh, Smithfield. We have a big plant in Sioux Falls. So it's kind of a natural thing for a lot of these Northwest Iowa people to come over. Uh, I can't really speak to the Minnesota Trade Show to tell you the truth, what, what, the, what their numbers and so on have been like. But with COVID, yes, I do see changes. I see the whole world switching over to, <coughs> excuse me, switching over to being able to do business from, from a distance without having to gather. Uh, our trade show in South Dakota, for uh, it will be in 2021 in January, um, is still on. We have well over 100 vendors going to be there. It, it hasn't been hard to get people to the trade show. Now, we'll see our limiting factors, of course, of the venue that we're at and perhaps the, the, the governor saying we're not going to have these large gatherings. But for now, I think things have gone as, as usual. Um, there's got to be a really large break before we back off of what we're trying to do here. And yeah, if we're going to try to do these kind of things virtually, it's going to be quite difficult because uh, you, you don't have that face-to-face and being able to sit down and talk to somebody about what they're trying to sell and provide. So uh, while I do see some changes, especially in, in big business when it comes down to us in farming and in production, it probably isn't going to change a lot. I'm sitting out here on a hill uh, near, near where I live, and I can see about 30 miles, and there's not one person out and about. So it's different out here than it is in the big cities. Um, we don't have the kind of contact with people. And I just don't think those changes are going to come quite as quickly out here as it might say in Chicago. But, you know, change is inevitable. Unfortunately, it's being driven by COVID. And I, I'm looking forward to the day the vaccine's out. We can move forward. Well, it's good to hear that it's going to be running this year because I just got the the uh, press release, the Illinois shows canceled, so it's good the South Dakota's oh, really? happening. Yep. Yeah. I I also know Twitter's been popular. The The recent debate has been Jim Long versus Steve Meyer on the Chicken Little comment. I'm not sure if you saw that. What are your thoughts on that? I have. Well, I, I, I think it's humorous. Um, you know, these guys, I know them both. Uh, and uh, you know what? When it comes to analysts and, and economists and people that look at all the numbers and the stuff, nobody's ever right all the time. I guess I don't know if I agree with name calling, but at the same time, I see it kind of you these guys keep it up on board and, and uh, you know, just it's not trying to get personal with any of it, if you will. But uh, I, I personally find it kind of humorous. So, yeah, I've been following that on, on Twitter as well. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, the platform that we have with Twitter, that we can see see what's going on and what yeah, people are much. thinking live. So a couple rapid-fire questions. For pork producers, what's more concerning, ASF or COVID? ASF. 
How do you feel about the vertical integration model? Uh, I understand it. It is a move towards more efficiency, but it saddens me a bit in that uh, those kind of models don't necessarily involve small small producers very much. What's the best technology you've seen in the pig industry? Uh, for me, it's been remote access to my barns, being able to access everything uh, as far as ventilation and systems and so on for my cell phone when I'm not home. What was your best year as a pork producer? 2014, when we had PDB. Uh, great markets. I never got affected with it, and that, that was a very profitable, good time. And finish this sentence. My favorite part of being a pork producer is? Is being engaged with this industry and the people that are involved. They're wonderful people. I hear that. I hear that a lot. I talked to Doug King at Merck. He said the same thing. Um, so a couple, couple more questions, uh, regular questions. Where do you see our industry going over the next five years? Well, you touched on a little bit of vertical integration. I don't, I don't see that there's a lot of options. If you're going to be competitive in this world market, uh, there has to be a level of efficiency. Um, I do see a lot of, uh, of uh, the smaller niche marketing things gaining a lot of momentum, uh, whether it be the, the, the Berkshire Dirk, uh, Duroc breeds and uh, you know the, the higher quality meat. I think that's something that commercial production is sort of not focused on enough. We're more influenced by putting pounds out the door than the quality of those pounds. So I see, I see changes moving to that, especially with people at home cooking more. Uh, they're going to they're gonna start wanting a higher quality product, and I think we need to focus on that. And I think that's going to be a, a big change coming over the next five years. Um, I see the threats growing when it comes to uh, hurt health, whether it be ASF, classical soil fever, foot and mouth disease, or with, with the amount of travel and stuff that was going on pre-COVID, I mean, those things were a very, very real threat and still are, probably not as much, but I think we're going to have to address regional, regionalization and a lot of different things in, in North America here so that uh, if, if this does come, and most people say when it comes, um, <clears throat> that we're, we, we are well planned out and have a well thought out plan in front of us. So I think... I think that's where we're going to have to go in the next five years. And do you have a specialty as a pork producer topic or technique that makes you different? Um, no, not really. I'm in commercial production. Uh, I, I finish about 12,000 pigs a year personally and then and have, have ownership in a larger group that uh, we finish about 120,000 pigs a year. But, um, you know, that's business as usual. I guess I, my specialty would be trying to reach out to not only the public, but the, the producer networks. And as much as we're doing here with this podcast, to, you know, get a feel for what's going on in the industry and trying to keep everybody on the same page and together. Because if we're united, we get stuff done. And I think uh, my specialty would be more about engaging with producers than, than uh, you know, we, we are all raising a very good product in almost entirely using the same methods. Uh, you know, there's a few little tweaking here and there with the type of barn or the, the kind of feed you use, but regardless, uh, we're pretty much all raising the same thing in the same way, and everybody tries to stick to the same standards. So as far as me being unique in any way, 
side, not really. But I, I do very much enjoy getting out and, and working with folks and making sure that we're taking the right next steps. And you're very active out uh, in the industry when with the National Pork, uh, the Pork Checkoff. Yes, and now I'm, I'm working in both arenas with the uh, FEPC side as well. So that's been a, a, neat, a neat deal going to work for South Dakota Pork. I'm not sure if you've heard, but Farm Progress is allegedly closing down their print publications. As a producer, do you feel like this affects you, or digital is maybe the wave of the future? Well, I, I guess I have to be perfectly honest. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I picked up a print publication. If there's something I want to know, I go to the computer or the cell phone, and uh, it's just more convenient. To me, it's not a major blow. I think some of those folks may be older than me that don't depend on their on their phones and computers as much. It might be, but uh, as far as myself and most of the people younger than me, I don't think it is a major blow. So this has been really interesting. The floor is yours now. If, if there's a topic or something people need to know, just want to give you the, the floor for the last question to, to talk about anything of your choice uh, in the industry. Sure, Jim. I appreciate that. So we've mentioned it a couple of times. I think the threat of these foreign animal diseases and what it actually is going to do uh, when and if they get to our country um, I do not believe we can, we're prepared enough at this point. Um, there are plans in place, obviously. I also serve on the United States Animal Health Association, and we work with very closely with USDA, and, and there's lots of planning and lots of things going on. But when you've got 50 different state vets, for example, uh, there's 50 different plans on how to handle this if it's in your state or if those animals coming from your state, traveling through your state, whatever it might be, there's too many different plans. We have to we have to standardize all this stuff. And then of course being able to regionalize, for instance, if ASF breaks in North Carolina, uh, God forbid, um, how is that going to affect South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa? A lot of those pigs come from North Dakota to be raised up here where the grain is. So that transportation model We've used for 25 years, uh, farrow in the nice weather and feed in the in the where the grain is. So how is that sustainable if North Dakota is excuse me North Carolina is shut down and pigs can't leave the state, nor are they allowed to travel across seven or eight other states to get to where the grain is up here in Iowa, Minnesota, and South Dakota. So those are the kind of issues we have to deal with and look at. That model is not a good model for foreign animal disease, and it's going to be difficult to change that model because um, there just isn't enough grain to feed a lot of animals out down down in the southern region. So those those are some of the topics we work on, and they're talking about a lot. And you know, the trade uh, obviously will be completely shut down, and 30% of the pigs, one out of three, get shipped out of this country for food for other nations. So uh, and, I, and I think of the, gosh, I'm trying to think of the numbers right now, millions of pigs that come out of Canada to be fed down here in, in, in the Midwest, and that will shut, that will stop. So, you know, there's a lot of these things out there that, that as producers, you don't really think about it, unless, of course, your pig supplies maybe from Canada, or you're getting your, your 
baby pigs out of uh, North Carolina, Oklahoma, wherever it is. And once all those things shut down, it, it's, it's just going to be critical to figure out how to keep an area of the nation clean that we can maintain our trade, we can maintain domestic supply, um, and being able to just stop that disease in its tracks. There's no vaccinations or anything for it. And with it spreading all over, I don't know if you've heard, Germany, last I heard, they had 60 cases of feral swine uh, wild hogs yeah. uh, within about a 60-mile radius of where they found the first one. So it's definitely spreading, um, and they just are working very hard to keep it out of their domestic herd. But if it gets there, it's going to be just years and years to clean it up. And, uh, you know, that's something that we just don't want here. So just want to encourage our producers to maintain your biosecurity and uh, just be very, very aware of a plan. Our secure pork supply is very worth getting your information to your state vet. And uh, then he's going to know if we have an outbreak of where, where you are and what you do. And it's all held confidentially. But... For, for our state vet, who the state vets have all the authority over movement within and out of the state. So he's the guy that's going to be pulling the reins on this thing if there's a quarantine. So, you know, have, having this information ready and, and at the state vet's office is critical. And I really do think that, uh, you know, we need to keep pushing on some of these systems that are out there and, and get them to work. And they only work if you participate. This was really great stuff, Steve. Uh, really appreciate your time and your outstanding contributions for the industry. Visit swineweb.com for more information.